and welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Chuck Bailey and super producer, Ian Stimson. He's an easy lover to get a hold on you, believe it, but it did, What's happening? What is this? It's Phil Collins featuring Philip Bailey. Good knowledge. No relation. Just so everyone knows, this is coming about because I went to an antiques place today and bought a Phil Collins 7-inch. That's why that's (laughs) happening. First of all, you wish you had Phil Collins 7-inch. Second of all, it is an antique proving that you are fucking old. Is that just where you do all your shopping so that you feel more at home? I did feel a bit at home. I also bought Blondie, uh, the Beatles, all, all the bees. Um, all the bees. <laughs> Billy <laughs> Idol. Bill Collins, <laughs> his, un- his lesser famous brother. Bee yeah. Gees. There was Bee Gees ones, actually. Of course there was. Boney M. <laughs> all things I genuinely would have bought. <laughs> <laughs> I know you too well, I guess. I don't know. Uh, know. Do you still have an 8-track player? Is that like floating around your house? No, no. 8-track was never really a thing here. I did do all of my uni recordings on ADAT. Is that tapes? Ian likes defunct things. (laughs) (laughs) 8-track, ADAT, Laserdisc, Zune, HD DVD. He fucked all of them. All of them. They were like VHSs that recorded 24 tracks of audio. At the same time? Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on audio recording media formats. Welcome to Trip Down Memory Lane. (laughs) Next week on NPR, we take a look at the nine different ways to cook a steak, according to Japanese chefs. (laughs) Vocal fry. (laughs) All right. Let's get to it. Um If you are listening for the first time, thank you for joining us. We are a football podcast. Yeah, we are a football <laughs> podcast. Soccer, if you're from the States like myself. Sochet, if you're fancy. <laughs> sure. And if you are joining us again, thank you for coming back. We're happy to have you. And we're going to kick things off. I say kick things off. We're about 10 minutes into recording. As we always do with our rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. Tyrion Lannister once said, uh, you should be careful because kings are dropping like flies these days. And I believe that the same could be said of managers because, gentlemen, there has been yet another sacking to kick things off with, you know, the same story that it's been the last few weeks or the same type of story. We have Everton have sacked Marco Silva as manager after 18 months in charge with the club in the Premier League relegation zone at the time of the firing. Thank you very much. Uh, following their Merseyside humiliation of 5-2-0 defeat by Liverpool at Anfield. Cold it. <laughs> yes, such a unique and hot take. No one could have seen this coming. I've always said Marco Silva was shit. From like day one? If you go back, yes, from day one, when he when he got the Watford job, I didn't think he was any good. But I don't know if we were recording then. My knowledge of time is non-existent. But no, about seven episodes ago, like when we did the net spend thing, um, trademark back of the net spend, uh, I said about how crappy was and how he wasn't better than Allardyce. And lo and behold, gone, donezo, bye bye. Yeah, only to be replaced by yet another player. 
superstar, bring on the good times, let the party roll manager in someone I've never heard of, but I don't know much about Everton's storied history, no doubt. Duncan something? Oh, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't know about Big, Big Dunk, Dunk Ferguson? <laughs> no, tell me about Big Dunk. Big Dunk. Is he related to Sir Alex of Ferguson? Uh, no, but Scottish, so, you know, close. Maybe related. Does Oscar know that Peterborough's manager is uh, Alex Ferguson's son? Is he really? Are you fucking kidding me? Does Chuck know that Peterborough's manager is Alex Ferguson's Darren son? Darren Ferguson, it's his third time at Peterborough. Oh. He can't quit you. He just can't quit you. Is that because it's a northern club, so like it's kind of near and dear to his heart? Okay, fuck you, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's really impressive. We're coming back, Chuck. I'll give you a second to talk, but we need to talk about this. So the one and only offspring of, is he the only? He might be, I don't know. Sir Alex of House Ferguson is the manager of Peterborough. Is he good? Does he look like his dad? Does the dad show up to the matches? What's the deal? you got to <laughs> so, tell us more. So many questions. Uh, is he good? He's occasionally good. Uh, does he look like his dad? Yeah, a little bit. And by red nose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and does Alex Ferguson show up to Peterborough matches? Yeah, occasionally. Have you is met it? him? Have you talked to him? No, but again, you're slightly underestimating how big Peterborough is. Yeah. Uh, it's that, not a that's village. Also, that's also on a par with when Americans meet English people and ask, do you know the Queen? <laughs> yeah. Very much no. No, I haven't met him, no. I guess Sir Alex might be as important and as rich as the Queen at this point. Who's more loved in... The UK as a whole. I mean, the Queen, I mean... Or Fergie. Well, there's another Fergie involved in the royal family and it gets very iffy. Yeah, me. let's not, let's not. <laughs> the one from the Black Eyed Peas? Uh, yeah, the sure. London, London Bridge yeah. wanted yeah, to go kept, down? She kept knocking that fucking bridge down and she got kicked out. Yeah. It was a very trying time. Um, but Duncan Ferguson, uh, kind of, I'm sure Ian would back you up with this, but probably widely renowned as the hardest man to ever play football in the Premier League. Yeah, massive hard like, man shit ass. Absolute nutcase. <laughs> Genuinely got arrested and three months uh, for headbutting someone on a pitch. In on like, the pitch. On the pitch in like 94, 95, something like that when he was in Scotland. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, he he was fucking insane. And this is the man put in charge of an entire football team. Yeah, good bloody British managers, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Get him in. Well, that does explain his tactics against Chelsea a little bit more. Well, we'll get to that, I'm sure. We'll get to that, yeah. Duncan Ferguson has had four convictions for assault. <laughs> four. So it'd be like Chelsea appointing Vinnie Jones. Two arising from taxi rank scuffles. That's what you want. Yeah. One, an altercation with a fisherman in a pub. <laughs> with a fisherman specifically. The necessity to stipulate that it was a fisherman. <laughs> it's a proud profession. They must be revered. We will be naming it. That sounds like you made a like random British headline generator. Like, you yeah, know, we talked about the Florida does. one. It does. Soccer player gets in fight with local fishermen, both arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and the most infamous, his on-field headbutt. On Wraith Rovers defender John McStay in 1994 when playing for Rangers, which resulted in a conviction for an on-the-field incident. Good work, Chuck. There you go. He received a three-month jail term for that. Yeah. Why do you know that? Well, I I knew it. He's got it up in front of him. And you're not looking at his eyes going from left to right. (laughs) I meant you, Chuck, in the first place. You were like, oh yeah, he was arrested for three months. 
Is that like a famous story? Is that like a thing that everyone knows? Am I just like way out of the loop here? The on the field, yeah, I did know that. I must admit, I didn't know he went to prison. <laughs> Easily could have been from when I just went down a Wikipedia hole one day and just, you know, when you just click and click and click. Also, I didn't know he twatted a fisherman. Well, that I didn't know, <laughs> but that deserves. Can we re? Can we redo the whole new segment, please? <laughs> uh, go back. Uh, well, speaking of one hard old school manager to another, Watford have appointed a successor to Kike Sanchez, Sanchez Flores, and that person is the one, the only Nigel Pearson. From headbutts to strangling people, <laughs> like. <laughs> have they done their research there? Do we think? Do they research anyone? Wasn't their criteria like is alive? That's well, it. It seems so. Yeah, because no, no one will take that job with like any form of self-respect. <laughs> Didn't you say it was nine managers since they've been promoted in five years, Oscar? I don't know. I clicked X on the story already. It's long gone. <laughs> okay, forget it then. Yeah, Nigel Pearson. Uh, he has been apparently guaranteed terms to the end of the season. Uh, I'm sure they said that to Flores. Christ, that comes to something when you're just... Saying, yeah, no, you'll be fine till the end of the season, like 20 games or so, you'll be fine. 24 games as Watford manager is a long time. I think that would make him the third longest serving manager in the history of the club. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Is he going to get them out of the the whole relegation scrap? They are currently at 68% to go down. Can he do anything to prevent that? He worked a miracle with Leicester, so... Who knows? Did it with Leicester next year, so put a bet on Watford win the, win the Premier League next year, guys. <laughs> 5,000 to one. Yeah. Oh, no, the bookies are not making that mistake again. No, I wouldn't have thought so. It's literally the single most unlikely, quote-unquote, event in the history of sports, according to any live odds. Longest odds of a single, I mean, it's, yeah, single event. Yeah, not including accumulators. Yeah, it's a single event win one, yeah, mad. And that's why now, I mean, that was Leicester. I think the odds that year went up to seven, seven and a half thousand to one for like whatever shit muncher teams. Now the max you'll get is like two fifty, five hundred. Yeah, to they're one. never getting stung on that again, are they? Uh, uh-uh, uh no. They must have lost a lot of money. Uh, there was a few people that put fifty quid on it. Not many, but they arranged an open top bus tour. I think it was Paddy Power had fourteen people or something like that. Really? And, yeah. they, and all those people got on like an open top bus tour around Leicester. Times, hold on. 5,000. That's 250,000 pounds. Did you have to work out 50 times 5,000? It took me a while to pull up a calculator. Fuck me. Ah, <laughs> uh, you work with numbers. Uh, well, many of them. That's why they get confused in my head. What, like they're all just sitting there and you got yeah they're just like there's too many all at once he's so busy differentiating equations he can't do simple arithmetic <laughs> speaking of people who differentiate equations in their head oh, and I have, have to leave that bit in now yep uh, we have <laughs> Lionel Messi celebrated winning a record sixth Ballon d'Or by scoring a hat trick to move Barcelona to the top of La Liga as well as himself to the joint top of the goal-scoring table in the Spanish League, despite the fact that he did not play for the first six games. As in this season? This season, yeah. He missed six games, so gave everyone a six-game head start, and he's still in first place before Christmas. He's pretty good, isn't he? Pretty good. Six <laughs> bone doors, record. Deserved. 
fully. I think he should have more. I think they got bored of giving it to him. They gave it to him like four years in a row, and then they were like, let's find someone else. Uh, Luka Modric, yeah, there you go. And everyone's like, bro? Okay, all right. It was a bit weird. Let's go back. Maybe Just Ronaldo messy. a couple of times there was like somewhat deserved, I guess. He def- like he continues to have elite, like world elite numbers well into his 30s, and it defies all logic. He's been the best player in the world statistically for about a decade now. He's 32 or 33, mm. something like that. Like, And he's still not slowing down. Like, at all slowing down. His numbers, this might be, last season, I told you guys repeatedly, was like his best statistical season ever. And this season, he's well on track for that again. And it's fucking insane. When Mm -hmm. is he going to slow down? Never. Never stop. Never stop it. He's (laughs) so much more likable than Ronaldo as well. Yeah. Well, you know, there's the whole rape thing. Well, yeah, that. But just generally as well, there's a, it's just natural. It feels like natural ability with Messi. I'm not saying Ronaldo isn't naturally talented. I'm saying that, but he's he, not as good. He, I don't think he's as good. good, and he has to like work at his game consistently and physically. He's a specimen, but Messi's just fucking shit hot, just naturally, yeah. fucking brilliant. Yeah, I think the the term genius does get thrown around too easily. You know, Oscar Puente is a genius podcaster. Never Oscar Puente said, is a genius never. in the kitchen. Mm. You know, anytime that Oscar Puente does anything, it just flows with geniosity. No oh dear. But all of those things have only ever been said once by you now. <laughs> just now. <laughs> Especially the word geniosity, which I don't think is a yeah. No, but honestly, like jokes aside, he really is an actual like footballing genius. He sees things that even the best players of a generation don't see happening in real time. Like he, it's like he's doing calculus in his head. In, yes. Like instantly fast. It's fucking amazing and like I just genuinely feel like honored that I was able to watch him mm-hmm. even a little bit. I would highly recommend the documentary Take the Ball, Pass the Ball, which I mentioned ages ago, uh, but it is on Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime, and it is about the effectively the Guardiola revolution twinned with Lionel Messi through uh, Barcelona, and there are actual physicians working out physicians. Physicists, physicists, not physicians. There's physicians as well, yeah, and magicians. Um, <laughs> uh, using complex formula to try and work out how he is as good as he is, and it's like insane. There's it, just exactly like Oscar said. It is just that his brain is completely perfectly wired to effectively see things happen before I they happen. Just, yeah, naturally does those things before. Oh, really? Yeah, before anyone else has even computed what they have to do yeah yeah and i heard if you hook him up to an fmri and study the brain electrical outputs and put him through a binary processor to create a one-to-one function and graph it on an xy plane it actually just makes a question mark that is a long-winded math joke for all the math people in the audience this. Yeah, yeah. From the man that had to use a calculator to work out 50 <laughs> times 5,000. I've had a very, very tiring weekend. Rapid, so. rapid, rapid fire news. All right, let's move it on. Uh, I wanted to ask, this isn't a story, but I did pull up one from the BBC. It's a question to you guys. Premier League streaming on Amazon Prime, was the broadcaster's debut a success? Fuck yeah. We've seen the future, Chuck. It was delicious. It was really fucking good. We were out. There was about seven of us. 
patrons, James Doncaster, Raphael Brand, John OG were there. They, it was great. There were four games on on four different TVs. Plus, we had a laptop, which you know Ian's didn't work properly. So we had two phones with the other two games, and we were just bouncing between, bouncing between. And obviously, being massive fantasy football players as well when we were just cheering for random things people genuinely kept coming over and asking what we were cheering for (laughs) (laughs) i didn't hear that that's awesome yeah yeah Yeah, because like yeah we clearly had no particular loyalty other than to our own fantasy football teams and when you cheer and assist it it gets a bit silly (laughs) I think it was just James Doncaster standing on his chair going, Arigi! Arigi! (laughs) (laughs) Now, Chuck, it was a fairly timid one, weirdly, that year, but you've been in the U.S. for final day of the Premier League at the probably arguably biggest soccer bar in the country, certainly the biggest Uh one on the East Coast. How did that compare in terms of, like, all the screens and people cheering and the culture? Was there Mm. a culture yet? Is it still, like, such a new thing? Well, it's. I think it's just the differences. Obviously, you're used to just only having kind of one game on at once, apart from the last game of the season. So I think everyone liked it a bit more. I was worried at the alarmingly high amount of Man United fans there were. Uh, I don't like that they're coming out of the woodwork again. I, I don't enjoy it. Um, but I think the when when we went to the football factory, it was it was different because that was ten games. Like that was that was difficult watching. Like, I was going to say, I feel like I didn't actually take in any of the football. No, you got to pick one screen that's your main screen and then kind of dart around as people cheer. Yeah. Which is probably why you guys had so many people being like, what'd you cheer about? What happened? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But then I think it was the Liverpool game that wasn't on the actual TVs because it started later. Yeah. So we were like, there were there were other people standing around our table at many points watching the Liverpool game. <laughs> and, it, and it was all legal. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I heard you guys had the goal rush too. Did you anybody catch a stream of that or a replay? No, I didn't because um, it was on that that day. So it's the day you were out, right? Well, yeah, because the Tuesday and the um, Thursday just had two games each. So you know, I just picked a game and was flicking between them. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think Sky are going to be running scared, and I think there's no going back now. I think that's going to have to be how it is. It's a whole new world, man. We've had it since '06. So, like, I'm so, like, genuinely happy for you guys because it is so fucking fun to, like, be at a bar with people it cheering. so much better. It's really interesting, though, because what do we think is going to happen with the Saturday no broadcasting at 3 o'clock rule because that's the main barrier? Fuck that shit. It's 2019. Put the fucking games on TV. You're not actually stopping anyone from going to Peterborough. But there is a problem with that because, honestly, like, like Peterborough is not a big football city. And we don't get good attendances for where we are. And I just feel like there's a real possibility of that being even worse. If I'm sorry. I know this is blasphemy, but you guys have too many fucking soccer teams. It's ridiculous that there are 25 levels to your pyramid when your country is so fucking small. Like, it's way too many soccer teams. I'm sorry. But, like, four leagues of 20 at the fucking just the top tier? Like, so what, so it's what, absurd. What's your, what's your footballer who is a bit handy but is not good enough for a you know a premier league or a whatever league team what are they supposed to do that just doesn't what they just go down the park no the idea is that any team can climb the yes. pyramid it's a no, na- it's our national that sport. doesn't actually happen anyway it does i'm sorry happen. you weren't fucking happens. good enough to make it go back to being a plumber and like be sad with your life like everyone else it does happen lester right 
No. AFC Wimbledon. But like, it does happen that teams climb the pyramid and go from lo- local teams to eventually semi-professional or whatever. It does happen. I just... You're going to tell me that you would rather keep the 20th level of the English pyramid than be able to watch the Premier League every weekend, that all of the 10 o'clock, 3 o'clock matches? No, I'm saying that it is a conversation. It's not just... This has to happen. And I loved it. I absolutely fucking loved it. But that's the problem because there is definitely, I'm a Peterborough fan and I can definitely foresee a time on a winter's day when I'm like, do I want to go and spend 25 quid to go and see Peterborough play or do I want to stay in and watch Liverpool versus Man City? And that that's a problem for... for but that's low- your problem for not being a proper fan. It is my problem. Yeah, 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 you make your decision and then you let fucking people decide. You give them options and if there's not supposed to be that many fucking soccer teams, there's not, is there any other country with 25 levels to their pyramid? Like, you guys don't even have that big of a population. Why is the uniqueness of that situation a bad thing? I'm saying that if it goes the way of the dinosaur because people would rather watch Liverpool, then that's what it should have been the whole fucking time. People should have been watching Liverpool. It's artificially inflated. And it seems insane to everyone else in the world. And you guys are like, yeah, no, we need 700 semi-professional to professional teams. Well, there's a teams. lot of stuff that seems insane to every other country in the world that you don't do. But like, That's that's I, very true. As an American, you know, I'm kind of calling the pot, the kettle, the black, every, everything's, you know. I, I'm, sort, I'm half playing devil's advocate because I have been saying to anyone that will listen that it was fucking brilliant. You're going to tell me you're not dying for the three o'clock matches to be on TV now that you've tasted it, now that you've seen what it can be. <laughs> There was definitely a bit of that, yeah. I, When's the I next really round? You guys it. get another one, right? Boxing Day. And if people use our Amazon link, they should be able to get that yeah, in time? Yeah, we should mention correct? the Amazon link. So in the show notes, we will put an Amazon Prime link. You can get on there, 30-day free trial. We get a little kickback, so you're supporting us. And you can get all your Christmas presents delivered. And you can see that Boxing Day extravaganza, which, Chuck, how good is it? Many, many good. You're going to undoubtedly have a goal rush that day, so, you know... Wear your big boy pants and bring an extra pair of socks. There is a sort of Gold Rush style show. The only problem is it had Robbie Savage on it. Yeah, but I don't know if you can do this for the Gold Rush, but for the actual games, commentators, if they're shit, you can turn off the commentary yeah. and just have stadium noise, baby. Um, yeah. Unless you're watching Arsenal oh. uh, and then it's just like you press mute. That's a nice <laughs> option. I wish we had that. I, I actually quite like the American. They're not American, they're British, but like the company has their own set of commentators they don't just pump in the feed from the uk like we used to and i quite like the american team they don't ramble nonsense and they're not like proper football old school which i fucking hate when like you get a game and tony gale's on and you're like oh he didn't break his leg it shouldn't even be counted as a foul let alone a red card i get it tony gale (laughs) fucking hate tony gale i really do All right, and our uh, our last story in the 40 minutes of rapid-fire news. But this one's a big one. You're actually not going to want to skip it because Chelsea transfer ban has been reduced. We get to sign players in January. Woo! It was nice while it lasted, Oscar. Yeah. And your team's going to go to shit now. Yeah. That's it. Story's done. That's it. It's been done. It's, it's lifted. We're going to sign some players in January. Chuck, congratulations on Mishi Batshuayi and or Olivier Giroud going to your club. Oh, not Giroud. <laughs> no, we don't need Giroud. Drew's really good. You could no, do worse than Drew. We got too old a team anyway. You said the same thing about Cahill, and then the moment he put on the shirt, you were like, oh, this Cahill guy's pretty good. Mm. Doesn't score goals, though, does he? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I did enjoy Chelsea's uh, statement about uh, FIFA being so biased uh, against them. 
as for Manchester City, that was quite a strong statement. Um, yeah, good for them because it's a yeah. bunch of horseshit the, the way that went down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it took the court of was it the court of arbitration for sport to lift this? I mean, yeah, it took a few months too to get that decision in, but right on time for Christmas. Yeah, are you in for you're in for Sancho for a hundred million? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, well, that's not even what I actually care about. Like, it'd be nice, obviously, to get that. That's a big name. Yeah. But more than a big name signing, I think we need to actually be intelligent with our money. Um, something that they won't at all do, but the <laughs> analytics people have been pushing for a lot within the community. Stats Bomb, Kaylee, all those are is um, a goalkeeper because Kepa is like the 17th. Shit. 17th worst goalkeeper in the league by metrics, by like advanced keeper metrics, not just like saves. So you mean 17th he's best? fucking, yes, sorry. He's in 17th. He's fucking terrible. He's really bad. He can't pass the ball. He can't clear it. He's bad at saves. He's bad at penalties. He can't come for crosses. None of the things. And and at, at this point, fuck the transfer ban. I don't care anymore. But it's a good place to... <laughs> Uh, segue into the first of the fixtures because obviously Chelsea got done again uh, three games in a row now and uh, lost to Everton three to one three games uh, in a row you're skipping over the midweek we beat Aston Villa two to one <laughs> yeah one yeah. point two point oh to 0.9 on XG so like okay so you lost three out of four and two of yeah, those, one of those was against City, Everton though. and West Ham the other one was to City, who just apparently lose to everyone now. Um, yeah, and West Ham we destroyed on XG, so I'm not concerned about. This week I'm angry, but yes. don't try to throw the other ones in there, because one's a win, one's against City, and one we should have won. To go back to the point I was trying to make, is that in that game, when, you know, the dogmatic nature of, no, I will play it out from the back and give it away to someone, or pass a play away with pass, or hit it to Kurt Zuma when he's not even looking, um, was just ridiculous. And his awareness, uh, keeper, keeper, keeper the keeper, keeper the keeper, sorry, uh, is just awful and shit. And I've not ever thought he was that great. Uh, he obviously had that penalty Oh, no, the the substitution thing with uh, Sari uh, ages ago. And Which just, was hilarious. That's the only good thing he's ever done. But he's just shit. Awful. Yeah, he's really bad. And then just shouts at people when he does stuff wrong. He's proper one of those goalkeepers. He just yeah. shouts at everyone else. He's Mustafi. He's Mustafi with gloves. <laughs> he's our Joe Hart. It's really bad. It's really bad. And there's no way they're going to go out and buy another one because he was the most expensive ever. So, like, blah, 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 blah. But that's one of the things. We obviously, the biggest area of need is a left back. We desperately need a real left back. We've been playing Aspie out there, which means that for the fourth time in his career, Chelsea Aspilicueta is being deployed at a different position than he was under the last manager. Every manager comes in and puts him somewhere new. He's back at left back, which is like he's not a left back. He's a right back. So that's how bad things have gotten. Um, so we really need to sign a left back, mostly. And a second midfielder who can do something besides just dribble because we have a stable of amazing central midfielders but Kante, Mount, Kovacic and Barkley and eventually Ruben when he comes back none of them are primarily passers they're all dribblers when in offense offense when attacking uh, and Jorginho is the only like true passer in the midfield we sold Fabregas last year which fair enough because he wanted to leave because he hated Sarri and he wasn't playing enough but we need to bring someone in because in, as we saw this week, specifically in the match where we got summarily outplayed by Everton, you're, like there's no sugarcoating that. They beat us and it was fully deserved, the scoreline and everything. Um, mm -hmm. 
So what, what was the XG, sorry? Yeah, 1.8 to 1.2. So it was a bit lopsided with a 3-1 instead of a 2-1, but like fully deserved loss. Um, we could not handle the long ball. Big Dunk came in and just played classic long ball, like just bypassed the midfield. Yeah, and I think it's it's kind of what Everton need now is a bit, because all of the players seem to just get what they had to do. Mm-hmm. It was simple too. It's really simple tactics. Like it's Play, classic. Yeah, playing that four four two and having a block and and letting Calvert Lewin just, you know, they were, they showed like three different times I think on on match of the day where Calvert Lewin just shoulder barged Christensen to the floor like just after the ball had gone, mm-hmm. so like it's legal but like barely and uh, just kind of getting into the head and having that physicality constantly. Um, and it's it's yeah, I think it's going to actually be like watching Everton. I think they'll drag themselves out of it naturally because a team that good should never be that close to uh, being relegated. It just shows again how I was right and Marcus Silva was shit. But I think it will just be the <laughs> same as it'll be the same as like when Allardyce uh, was there. Like the points per game basically match the same for for Allardyce uh, and Silva obviously before this season. Um, and I think that's just how they'll go. I think they'll go solid. Um, they won't try and do anything too overcomplicated. They'll respect the point, as that classic saying goes, and they'll just know exactly what they need to do because he's not an he's not a very experienced manager, so he's not going to try anything too complicated. Um, and so I think they, they did well, and especially that, like, that that was his first game. And I think when you have all of a sudden you get a team playing that cohesive after effectively, what, less than a week? It was... Yeah, one training session. Six days? Six days or something since Marco Silva got binned? But so, so do the players have to take some level of responsibility? I would say so because when a manager can come in and in one session get them playing on the same page, like they had 30% possession, but they won the XG battle... They had just as many shots, and they had more shots on target. Yeah. So he came in, and it was an instant impact. And part of that is, like, he went for as simple of a system as possible. Like, classic, everyone's played this in middle school or, you know, whatever the hell it's called. Um, But, you know, 13-year-olds just lump the ball up and play a header. Old school football, right? Like, so he was able to come in and implement that right away, saw a weakness in Chelsea, and took advantage of it. And that's exactly the kind of fighting style you have to keep if you're going to be in an extended relegation battle. I mean, it's it's Allardyce ball, right? Like, it's classic Big Sam. Big Sam, Tony Poulis, that, that kind of play. And, it, and especially, I think, when you when you can recognise... And that was what was weird as well, is that Chelsea didn't change the way they played, really. They just kept no. trying to play it out for the back, play it out for the back, play it out for the back. And you're getting hit by long balls, and you're getting pressed. Like, yeah. You got Calvert Lewin and Richarlison like right there. Tom Davis was coming up a lot, and obviously they linked up very well. It was fortunate, like for the third goal, the way the ball just bounced and and kind of ended up with Calvert Lewin, and he could play it in. But that came off of, you know, as I said earlier, um, Kepa passing it to Zuma, a really really poor pass, very poor pass, also to a player who wasn't even looking. Yeah, you're like it, you need to adapt that, if, especially if you're losing. Like, there's too much now. Just, I can't remember what game it was. I think it was the last Arsenal game as well. Of you know, it's the 89th minute. You're losing, and you've got six players in your own box, and you're just playing it out from the back and trying to do slow build up. Like, you need to 
you need to fucking get up and go at that point. Like, yeah. you need something. You need to show that fight, that desire, and not be afraid just to go, you know what? This isn't working. Let's just go fucking route one and let's try and hit them because, I don't know, daft. Yeah, I do. I, I definitely agree that the tactics and something needed to change because it clearly wasn't working. That's an option. I don't know that our players are particularly suited to it. The other option to me, and it was it was a game that was, like to me, screaming out for Jorginho. He never even came in. Mm. Um, and when Chelsea, like the flip side of the possession thing is that Chelsea had 70% of possession. And they were not able to do that much with it. And it was just over and over again. Like a guy, either Kovacic or Mount or Willian or Pulisic also was guilty of this. Like would get the ball, dribble to the edge of the box, try to dribble one more, try to do little passes, one yeah. twos. And then no shot ever came of anything. Like they were just in the opponent's penalty area passing it around until it went out of bounds or a clearance or like whatever. And so to me, that would have been perfect for Jorginho to hang like maybe 30 yards out and just conduct like a conductor over an orchestra and like see where all the lanes are, see all the get everybody moving because he does direct people the way Fabregas used to. He like points to empty space and tells who to, them who should be going where. And the fact that Frank didn't bring him in was a little concerning. Again, like I know that it's like busy time of year and there's rotation. And maybe that speaks to the fact that we need to get someone who's a replacement for Jorginho. But I think this was a tactical decision to like not start him. And so it was a little annoying um, from Frank in that regard. But at the end of the day, I'm still not particularly worried. It was this was our only like deserved, let's say, loss over the not deserved because we deserve to lose the city. But you expect that that's kind of built into the schedule. Um, West Ham, we outplayed them, and it's just a bad day. That shit just happens sometimes. And then here we actually, like, this was not good. And he was mad afterwards. He said as much. It was sloppy. They weren't, they were like, he must have just been screaming, shoot, from the sideline the whole time. (laughs) Just fucking shoot it, because that's what I was screaming. Yeah. So, you know, that happens. But let's move on to a team that I guess, and maybe this can be part of the guiding for the conversation, I guess there's a top four race. Maybe certainly people are trying to push that narrative with Tottenham destroying Burnley 5-0. Although that's after having lost on Wednesday to Manchester United, who are also themselves back in the title race. But we'll talk more about that (laughs) in a little bit. But Tottenham, let's take some Tottenham stuff. What do you guys got to say here? 5-0 on Burnley, fairly deserved 2.4 to 1.0 on XG. So, you know. Not quite the 2.9 to 0.9 on Kaylee's model, but still significantly better. They done some lovely goals. Harry Kane. Pew! Kane, who might be back. Like, if if Mourinho has figured out how to get the best out of Kane again, a Kane with no ankle ligaments and well, well past it in terms of the physicality of his career, he, in since Mourinho has taken over, I'd looked up some stats... He's taken 11 shots in three matches, which comes out to 3.7 per match. Before Mourinho's entrance, he had one match in the combination of October and November in all competitions where he took even three match, three shots. Like, he is taking shots again at an alarming rate. And they are going to go in when he's getting shots off, he can score. Because that's just talent, Right. The problem before was getting the shots and finding the space. Tell you want about Kane. Uh, Musa Sissoko scored two goals in three games. Uh, the man <laughs> is magician, doing wonders. I mean, it's yeah. The the they'll obviously not be too happy with the result against Man United. Um, 
But Man United do gear themselves up for the big teams. And they, they you know, Deli Ali called it in the post-match interview saying that they were very arrogant. And it, yeah, they just didn't really take their chances in that game. But Burnley, you know, they took their opportunity there, saw that Burnley are a bit out of sorts. You know, now they've lost three on the bounce um, and just absolutely thumped them. Just everything was working. Just everything they were trying. And then Hungmin Sun ran through the entire team. How is he faster than the Burnley players when he's got the ball than they are without the ball? He was dribbling quicker than they were running. It was insane. <laughs> it was unbelievable to watch. Like, just stunning. People are talking about that as goal of the season for the entire Premier League. I think it's early to call that, and I don't necessarily know that that would even be it so far. But, like, it was a fucking stunning goal. He's so good. He's so good, and I he's one of those players that you wish you didn't like because he's on a team that you don't respect or like that you strongly dislike, you know? <laughs> Same like Marcus Rashford. Like I wish Rashford was on a team that I could enjoy him more. And he mugs off your defense. Alonso, Jorginho scores a great goal last year as well. Yep. Yep. Not quite as straight down the middle, that one, but... Uh... Yeah. No, this one, this one was just like, hey, that goes that way. Let's, <laughs> Let's just go. Let's head over there, guys. Yeah. Uh, He's got a signpost with military service one way, the goal the other way. Yeah. <laughs> he just fucking canes it towards the goal. Just channeling Maradona versus England there, just being like, whoop, 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 right yeah. up the middle. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't argue with that goal in that game. Yeah, it's the other one. <laughs> that goal was fine. That goal, everyone holds their hands up there. The second yeah. goal, he held his hands up. So Yep, that's true. That is true. <laughs> Where was VAR when we needed it? Have you guys uh, seen the documentary on him that's on HBO? He always gets a mention. How does Maradona pop up so much on <laughs> this podcast? Because he's fascinating. He might be the most fascinating person in all of like football. Still. <laughs> for his talent, for his antics. Like, I don't know. If you're in the US and you have HBO, watch that documentary on Maradona. It's really, really good. If you're anywhere else, I don't know how you find it. But, <laughs> sorry, Maradona rant aside. Uh, just to bring it back to Tottenham, because I do think that they deserve praise. Um, Chuck, a lot of the conversation that we've been having around in the texts this weekend was about the regression to the mean and the underlying numbers. And you were asking me if I'm worried about Chelsea and the top four race and Leicester and all that. And I think that we've talked about teams overperforming or underperforming a lot and how they are going to at some point regress to the mean which basically means that like it's not going to be that they cool off so that the numbers even out by the end of the season as much as the fact that like going forward from here their numbers will probably regress to their averages thus far um but there are two notable exceptions to that one is Leicester and we'll talk maybe about them in a little while so I'll save those numbers but the other is Tottenham since Mourinho took over in those matches in the last four matches I believe it is since he came in they went from the fourth worst XG per game, 1.2 XG to 2.3 per match. So almost doubling their XG per match, taking them to the best since he took over. And considering what we know of Mourinho recently, of obviously when he was at United, it was the complete opposite of that. He took their XG from about 2 point something per game and it was below... I want to say it was below like 0.9 per game by the yeah, end. Yeah, I think it was. I'm remembering like, it like was 0.7 a, It was something. a direct, yeah. the, it was a perfect X with uh, expected goals scored and goals allowed. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It was really bad. And this is the polar opposite. Since he came into Tottenham, like, they're one of the best teams in the league. They're going to win the Champions League. They could. They definitely <laughs> could. Mourinho knows how to do that. He's never lost the Champions League final. I don't know if you've ever heard that. but Nah, is that right? Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> um, insofar as I'm concerned for a title race, or not a title race, right, rather a top four race with Chelsea, it's Tottenham. It's Tottenham's, the fact that Tottenham's underlying numbers are trending up so much. And the fact that Leicester's numbers are under- trending up so much that they're almost certainly not going to get caught. So we are the vulnerable team. But I do think that we have enough of a cushion. Like a perfect, if Tottenham are going to catch Chelsea or any other team for that matter, they cannot afford to drop points. They have to be perfect and take every time that we drop points as an opportunity to catch up. And the fact that Tottenham, yes, they made up three points over this last three matches, but our loss today is fully canceled out by their loss to Man United on Wednesday. And so, even if their underlying numbers are like so much better, because they really genuinely are, I'm still fairly happy with our fairly large cushion. And the 538 model predicts that, because like Tottenham's only at 25%, and they're the most likely of the others to catch up. So I'm not overly concerned, but if it's three more points next weekend, then <laughs> maybe I am <laughs> starting to poop a little bit. You know? What a difference one week makes. And, that, yeah. and that's what's crazy, obviously, about this time of year. You know, you go about the fix of congestion and tiredness and blah, 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 but the structure of the league can change on a dime. Yeah, I mean, you look at the relegation race and there are eight different teams that could be in 18th next weekend yeah well Everton were just in 18th they've moved up to 14th with one win and with another win they can go to uh, 11th like so seven point seven seven places just for two games is is crazy and you know all the teams that you know you think oh they've been doing really well this year or they've been doing really badly like they're all still ended up on the same points yeah it's crazy absolutely shit for ages Still three points behind Arsenal. Like <laughs> Tottenham have just gone on this amazing, you know, run and this resurgence under Jose Mourinho. Still only four points above Arsenal. Arsenal are only four <laughs> points clear of the relegation zone. They're yet they play tomorrow, so they have a game in hand there. But if we look at their five thirty eight, Chuck, you'll love this. I I am ready. Do you already know what I'm about to say? You might. Nope. Okay. Arsenal's probability of getting relegated is exactly the same as Crystal Palace's. Yeah. They're both at 4%. Oh, don't like that. Don't like and it. Don't Arsenal's trust it. Arsenal's probability of making top four is only 1% higher than Crystal Negative. Palace's. <laughs> 1% to 2%. So they are almost exactly even to be relegated and to make top four as each other. You are basically the same as Arsenal. I don't know if that's something to be proud of or something to be sad about. Shout out to Adam Pay, my boy. We know what it is. Recognize. <laughs> No Europe. No Europe next year means no Lacazette and no Bamiang. Anyway, enough of that depressing shit. Oscar, talk to us about Leicester because you mentioned obviously teams being amazing and the regression to the mean being scary. Uh, yeah. A mean mean, if you will. Um, so what's Leicester? What, what happens? Talk to numbers, football. Yeah, so Leicester are up to 88% to stay in the top four. Love it. Which is a lock. Uh, A huge part of that is their insane cushion because they are... 14 points above fifth. 14 points above fifth, exactly. Love Uh, it. Which is absurd. But also more, I don't know, interestingly, worryingly from a Chelsea perspective, fascinating in terms of like they are a deadlock to make the Champions League next year. Leicester's underlying numbers in the last few weeks... 
have gone from wildly overperforming to one of the best teams in the league. And you know what the reason is? It's Rebecca Vardy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank God we're coming back to this. Ever since Wagatha Christie, (laughs) they have won every single game and Vardy has scored in every single game. It's not Brendan Rodgers. Everyone's looking at Rodgers. It's It's Rebecca Vardy. Well, and more importantly, it's Rebecca Vardy. Ah, amazing. What what a stat, Chuck. Oh, man, I'm almost ashamed to give my numbers, but I wrote them yeah, down on your a piece of paper, so I'm going yeah. to anyway. Conspiracy theory trumps number. Yeah. Fact. Well, to back that up and in support, we have the underlying numbers, which have Leicester since the in- international break in first place on actual XG. They're up to 3.0 per game. I'll say that again. 3.0 oh XG per game. From 7th place before the international break at 1.3 per game. Jeez. And they are also, since the international break, the second best on XGA, which is also insane. Who's the first best? Hold on, give me a sec, I'll just... Well, while you're looking for those numbers, I should probably take some level of credit, because a few podcasts ago I said, at what point do we have to think that Leicester are the title challengers? You did, you did. And you not did Man City. Don't, don't say that as an aside, mate. Get that fucking No, in no, here. I'm leaving it in the edit while he looks at these numbers. Don't worry about that. This is just me fucking bragging with my cock out. Yeah, please put it away. It's very uncertain. Oh, shit. (laughs) Why is it that shape? (laughs) It's the colour that's more alarming. Mauve. Mauve. Uh, That would be Manchester City, Chuck. Manchester City have the best defence on underlying numbers since the international break. Isn't that fucking hilarious? That makes no sense. I know. They've only allowed 3.2 in four matches. What? Total. 3.2 total XGA. That makes no sense. I'm sorry to tell you, it is the truth. They've they've conceded like six goals in that time. <laughs> Eight, yep, six goals, twice as many. And let's transition there to Manchester City. Manchester City, who are not having a good week. They lost 2-1 to one in the Manchester Derby and summarily beaten on the... Oh, wait, no, that's not right. They won the XG battle, 2.1 to 0.8, and they lost 2-1. to one. Who? Man City? Man City lost the XG battle, yeah. So they continue to have terrible luck. And in the match before that, they beat Burnley. City beat Burnley. Yes, so last week was the one where they had really terrible luck. Which is not saying anything. It's Burnley, guys. Burnley. Defensively tight Burnley, who conceded 11 goals in three games. (laughs) As of today, Manchester City are down to 12%. I mean, the fact that they're still in double digits about it does show like how good their squad is and should be where they like they are 14 points behind like yeah. no i i i'm the biggest lover of like liverpool fucking up and wanting to see it but even i'm like there is no chance of it happening and that's not even me trying to tempt fate so that it happens yeah. <laughs> it kind of is a little bit um but they they just Liverpool are not going to lose five games between now and the end of the season. Like Certainly not while it happens that City don't lose any. Yeah. Like, that's just so unlikely. Although, yeah. if you are or have been considering a bet on Leicester, please put your money back in your pocket because 538 only has them at 3%. 3%. I presume I can still get 5,000 to 1 on them, yeah? Yeah, Leicester, they're only 14 to 1. 
That's a losing bet, though, at 3% actual yeah, probability. I don't fancy it at 14s. No. I mean, if you want, you can go for Watford at uh, 4,500 to 1. Okay. That's like printing, printing money in it. Less than 0.1% to win the title. Um, all right. So let's. there's two kind of storylines here. There's Manchester United beating Tottenham and then Manchester City in a row. Um, and the resurgence of bench king Marcus Rashford, who has gone for 21 points on my bench in the last two games. Oof. Harsh. Um, and, you know, just the, the general Man United attack has woken up, as I've mentioned, we've been talking about the last few weeks. Um, any words on Man United putting themselves potentially back in the top four conversation? Up to 15% now, the second highest of the trailing pack. They are a counter-attacking team again, a lot more. And so when they play teams like City, teams like Tottenham, who, especially Tottenham at a minute, because they know they can't defend, so they have to attack. Uh, and City, who are just going to throw everything at you, like no matter what, who you are, what the situation. Or Chelsea on the first day, which we do the same thing, but are not as good. Yes, exactly. Um, and you don't press and you play sloppy passes. Like, you're just going to get done by them. That's a simple fact. Like, if they, and, you know, Oscar, especially, you've said this before, like, you had Marshall and Rashford together, and now you add in Daniel James, who, in terms of actual production, isn't hasn't got much this season. I think he's only got a couple of goals, a couple of assists, like, Marshall and Rashford are miles ahead of him. Um, but you have that pace, and especially Marshall and Rashford aren't slow um, and they're just incredibly dangerous and and they they can hurt and, and that's what happened with City and it was a lot of watching the highlights like it was on paper you look at that squad and think there's there's no problems there's no issues and I was messaging you Oscar about it and because I wasn't watching the game mm-hmm. I just saw what the team sheet was and you were like no they're losing it in midfield it's like their midfield is is <laughs> De Bruyne, Silva, and Rodri. Like, yeah. that makes no sense. But then watching the highlights back, they just were not pressing. They weren't playing like City. And they weren't playing like City, even like Pep City. Because last season, there was there were so many times where you'd pause the game and check the highlights. And you could draw effectively like a perfect Rondo drill of what was going mm-hmm. on, where the player with the ball is, and where they had four, five, six outlets instantly perfectly positioned this one they're just not doing that they're not bunching up and coming together and they're just trying to play much longer passes and they they were just all over the place and Man United were just eating that up uh Wan-Bissaka had a very good game against Raheem Sterling uh obviously because he's an amazing defender yep. uh bastards um <laughs> and they were just uh, Man United could have had three four first half easy if they'd just taken their chances and, and City didn't really produce that much and it's it's mad absolutely mad as well as um, Man United's like counter-attacking speed and everything like I've always thought of the hallmark of or one of the hallmarks of a pep team is that transition period from um, defence to attack like they can very quickly once they get possession turn the ball into an attack the how poor they were at realising they were facing an, a quick attacking team. I mean, when they lost the ball, it was four or five seconds before they seemed to realise, oh shit, we're not in possession. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. they just did absolutely nothing to to try and like get their shape back and get possession back. And their ma- I know he's still on the park, but 
how much are they missing Fernandinho playing where he usually plays? Yeah, I think that's absolutely the key to it too. Um, although we should be fair to City because they did like win 2.1 to 0.9, 0.8 on XG. So like it wasn't an abjectly terrible performance. It was within the realm of reason that you might get a goal variance in either direction and it happened to go both directions against them. So plus they, a pen you know, though, wasn't it, for Man U? So. Yeah, plus a pen, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... I just I just don't want us to be talking about it like as if they were absolutely terrible. They generated two point one and they scored two. Yeah, it just it just feels indicative of what's been happening though. Yeah, they just scored the one. But I think to speak to Chuck's point, I did take some notes on the tactics while I was watching this. Um, so talking about like kind of the midfield, you sparked my interest. So I was like, oh, I'll uh, I'll do some like tactical di- diagrams and kind of see what's going on there. And this was actually a really interesting formation from Pep compared to even anything else going on this season. Uh, in this one, he actually reverted to what he used to do at Munich and to a lesser extent at um, Barcelona, which is an, a very, very, very old system that was really popular way the fuck back in the day. It was invented in Italy and it was how they won two World Cups um, back to back, way the hell back in the way when. The name of the system is the Metodo, or in Italian, however that would be pronounced. And essentially what was happening is he chose to play Fernandinho still at center back. As opposed to Stones was back, but he played Stones instead of Otamendi and kept Fernandinho at center back, which is weird. And then to sort of make up the difference there when they were in possession, Rodri would drop in and they were playing a midfield three and then a, a two of the fullbacks playing as a sort of front two. So it was an M shape and then a W shape on top. And so their actual midfield was just KDB and David Silva, which that is paper thin in terms of getting counterattacked into. Neither of them can do defending particularly well. Yeah. And so when you get caught out of possession, of course, now all of a sudden everybody's on you because like the immediate pass straight to the forwards is readily available for United. And people are scrambling to get back into the WW shape, which is more the, tr- the regular way that they play. Um, and so that's why they were just caught off guard and transition so much. And I think that it's really fucking weird. I wonder if, like, it's starting to get to him psychologically. Because, like, if Otamendi and Stones are both healthy, why wouldn't you, even if you don't trust them as a pairing particularly, it would free up Fernandinho to go back to where he belongs. And instead he kept Fernandinho as a center back. And then had Rodri dropping super deep, too, which is, like, really fucking weird. So I'm like, like, there's a lot that seems to be sort of converging on City. A huge portion of it is bad luck. Because they continue to win win the XG battles. Mm. And so, like, that's just, like, that's quantifying bad luck to a certain extent. Um, Part of it is the keeper situation. Part of it has been the defense. And now I do think that it's starting to actually wear them thin mentally because they're doing weird tactics and weird. It's almost like he's panicking and just trying a bunch of different things. And he should just stick to the plan because, like, if they have any fucking chance, which they don't, they don't anymore, right? But they need to just keep doing what they're doing and hope that the numbers work themselves out. Because they're not going to get better numbers than they had. They already had, like, the best team in the world numbers. So for them to be changing that, it's unlikely that they'll find anything better. It's much more likely that they'll switch to something worse. Um, But honestly, at this point, they should just prioritize the Champions League because that's what they really care about, right? People are talking about, oh, is Pep going to get fired? No. They don't care about the league. They just won it twice in a row and they're not impressed at this point. Like, that Shania Twain song by winning the league. (laughs) They want the Champions League. Uh-huh. That's the thing. So Maybe Brad Pitt could do a job at centre-back. Brad Pitt. It was the Shania Twain song. So what? So you're Brad Pitt. 
That don't impress oh. me much. Sorry, I wasn't uh, in, uh, uh, intimately acquainted with the lyrics of that song. Sorry. Bullshit. No, I'm, I'm not above it. I'm just saying I don't particularly know that <laughs> song. I'm not above it. Yeah, but just to uh, something that has just come to me, and uh, I don't quite know how I feel about it, but I've realised, like, we joked earlier and said, like, that now Arsenal and Palace are, like, the same and the way they've been, but Man United are basically Crystal Palace. <laughs> they play counter-attacking football, they have fast players up front. They turn up against the big teams and they get a lot of penalties. They do get a lot of penalties. Man United have had 10 penalties this year. Now, we're ten. only not talking about it so much because they've missed so many. Yeah, Pogba's missed like two. I think Rashford's missed two. Yeah, uh, someone bad. else, Martial's missed one. But yeah, the penalty against City was their 10th one. Fuck me, that is a lot of penalties. Man United, they've got Juan Bissaka. Man United, the Crystal Palace. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. I'm down. Um, <laughs> you know, Arsenal might be sh- punching above their weight to be compared to Crystal Palace at this point, losing 1-2 against Brighton. We're not actually going to spend time on this. But <laughs> nope. the Freddie Lundberg revolution is not underway. <laughs> Freddie Lundberg is someone who needs to take a Jose Mourinho humble pill and realize that this Arsenal team needs a fucking reset and you can't try and play this daft, weird form of football that no one knows what they're doing, no one has any direction, but they need Allardyce. They need fucking Sam Allardyce. This podcast loves a sort of minor celebrity shoulder rubbing. And I met him once 12 years ago and he was an arrogant prick. So, yes, a humble pill would be very much warranted for Freddie Lundberg. There you go. That's it. Arsenal, Arsenal chat done. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 4% to get relegated. That's all you need to know. Yes. One in 25 chance. Hired twice as likely to get relegated as they are to make the top four. How about that? <laughs> oh, that is delicious. That is delicious. Uh, Adam, Adam, Adam. Suck it. I hope you have an Everett uh, Spurs jersey picked out for your profile picture for next year. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Oh, shit. Yep. Yeah. You've got a yep. bet. Yeah. I was, I was very <laughs> confident about Chelsea going into the season and no one else was. Uh, so much so that I bet our very, very good friend and long time listener, Maybe not a good friend after this season. Yeah. <laughs> that Chelsea would finish above Arsenal, and I was so confident that whoever did it would have to wear a Spurs jersey as their profile picture for Twitter for the next entire season. Oh, my and word. I'm feeling very good about that bet. Sorry, Adam. I'm not. I think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, Arsenal are projected to finish 12 points behind Chelsea. Although Adam doesn't mind about an embarrassing profile pic. Have you seen his Twitter pic at the minute? He's in a Christmas onesie in front of his Christmas tree. That sounds delightful. Have some Christmas spirit. It's the middle of December. Oh, no, I was fully behind it. I was just like, he clearly doesn't mind embarrassing himself. That's all I'm saying. Well, he's admittedly a listener of us. Like, he won't, he's not pretending that he's not. Oh, yeah. You know, he lets people know that he likes our podcast. So, something clearly wrong with him. Eh, Likes a stretch. (laughs) Well, on that note, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with some listener and FPL and all that sort of stuff. Welcome back to the Mars Offside podcast, uh, where we go into our FPL team. Ooh. Did that sexily, Chuck? What's, 
I know, sorry, it's a cold. <coughs> it's coming on. Uh, temperature has dropped. Um, uh, so, yes, so uh, as you all well know by now, we have our community team. Hasn't had the best week this week. Um, 50 points, um, slightly above the average if it is to be believed. But, yeah, only, you know, 26 of those 50 came from Jamie Vardy. So oh, Jesus. God bless Rebecca Vardy, really. <laughs> I've always said that. Have you? I don't know. Sounds like something I'd Probably. Say. Probably, yeah. So big blanks kind of across the board. Pope, zero. Uh, Alexander-Arnold, Willems, Lundstrom, Nada, Zaha De Bruyne, uh, Tammy Abraham doing nothing. And we've got uh, Ben Chilwell coming off the bench for Sadio Mane for two points. God. So, That's a blank yes. fest. That's awful. That's pretty bloody crap. Um, so... We need to make some changes. We do have two free transfers. Obviously, it was a bit complicated going into last week with the midweek fixture. Uh, I mean, obviously, you guys chose to roll one transfer, not get uh, get rid of Diop, get Willems in, which is fair enough. But we did on my suggestion. I'm just saying that in two weeks, Tammy Abraham and Nick Pope have got 15 points combined. And Guaita and Danny Ings have got 35. So Should have gone with you, Chuck. I mean, this week, it had been active for this week. Pope and Abraham, two. Guaita and Ings, 18. I said that like a weird voice recognition (laughs) thing there. 18. (laughs) One and eight. Uh, I'm not going to be bitter about it, guys. I'm not going to be bitter about it. You should just pick my suggestions. Um, Speaking of which, Ian, what, what do you fancy? We've got two frees. We've got a uh, little bit of money in the bank a little bit uh, 0.5 in the bank um, thank you admin I will choose to just use one I like having two in the bank oh. where possible so I'm just going to use one it's dead simple it's going to be a Tamori out we've had uh, him on the bench or not in the squad I'm not even sure for the last two games so it looks like Fair. he may not be in the first team plans anymore I'm not sure so Tamori out, and I'm going to go uh, dunk in. <laughs> what? He's on set pieces. This is like the opposite of Oscar with Pulisic, and that Oscar <laughs> will campaign for getting Pulisic in, and no one will do it. And I'll campaign to not get any Brighton players, and we'll just end up with three. What you've got to understand is, as a Peterborough fan, I am pure. I am from a fantasy football point of view, I'm pure. There are no biases. From a syphilis point of view, riddled. Yeah. But that's not the point. It's all the northern incest, also. A lot of diseases that way. <laughs> Plague. Whatever. <laughs> Sickle cell and <laughs> <laughs> And also, I seem to have a thing at the minute of either transferring in or wanting to captain anyone whose next fixture is Crystal Palace. <laughs> so, let's get in, Dunk. Dunk in. Right. <laughs> He's so offended. Properly, properly pissed off for me. Oscar, can you just talk for like five minutes while I? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so I think that maybe the biggest mistake we've made all season is bringing in a Crystal Palace player. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ! <laughs> not how I was going to frame this. Hang on a minute. What, what have thank I you, done? Ian. Perfect. Am I the Ian? <laughs> guys, am I the Ian? <laughs> Um, thank you, Ian, for the wonderful setup. I, I do not think that Zaha has a good pick, so I'm just going to trade him, transfer him right back out. Um, and of course, 
I have to suggest. I kind of, that's not what I actually want to suggest in my heart of hearts, because we need to get Deli Ali in, <laughs> but I'm going to, because I'm Sisyphus, continue to suggest Christian Pulisic, who has the sixth best XG per 90 in the league, and the sixth best expected assists per 90 in the league. He is above Salah and Mane in both of those metrics. But you can't transfer out Zaha and get Pulisic. Yes, I can, because we have a two for two. Oh, you, okay, you sold me a dummy. Go on. Yep, I'm using both. The other half of that, it is well and truly time to get off of the Liverpool defender train, as I'm sure a lot of people were burned this week by Trent Alexander-Arnold, who also has a blank coming up very soon. And I'm going to bring in the most transferred in, for good reason, defender this week, and the same person that I suggested last week. And that is the one and only Serge Aurier, who, in his last six matches, has nine, four, six, one, five, and six. And nearly got four red cards, but yeah. <laughs> yep, that, well, he lives on the edge. <laughs> he is the edge. Uh, Mr. Price Rise, he's up to 5.0. Serge Aurier. Up okay. to 5.0. That would also leave us 1.8 in the bank to do something very, very cool next week with Adama Traore, probably. Chuck, you recovered yet? No, I'm still enraged. <laughs> Reeling. <sighs> Getting in a Brighton player and get... Oh, for fu- right, you're both a pair of c- and I'm just stalling, because to be honest, I can't actually think of one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Trent and Traore out for Richarlison and... That leaves you five million. Five? Does it give me five? Yeah, that leaves you with five. Um, Martin Kelly. <laughs> Fair enough. The second most, I believe, transferred in defender. Let me let me look at that. Up. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Certainly not the only one to be extolling his values. He's four point two at the minute. So, yep. You know, Ian, we've gone on uh, many times about the the money being tied up in defence a bit too much. Obviously, Trent. It's like it's so this week was so frustrating and I even messaged you guys the second I saw that Trent had been subbed on in the 40th minute and said this <laughs> would be the week that Liverpool get a clean sheet yeah. and yeah. it was like they finally got one and he got fuck all for it Watford will probably score um, which is shocking let's get Martin Kelly in what are you on for the week Chuck? Oh, we don't like to talk about my team oh, just 71 Okay, now. Just 71. Not bad. Ian, what are you on? 69. Nice. nice. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I forgot about bonus points. I'm on 78, mate. Oh, don't like to talk don't about like it. Don't like to talk about it. How many points do I have on my bench, guys? Oh, good question. 20. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Fucking Trent Alexander-Arnold. <laughs> he kept Bulldog out. 14 points. 13-point increase. That would have been 91. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, just for that, actually, yeah. My bench has been 20-ish points two weeks in a row, so I, I feel that pain. So Oscar's doing something. Uh, Ian's only doing one transfer, and I've forgotten what it was because it was so long ago. And uh, I'm going to do, I guess, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Traore for Martin Kelly and Richarlison. Uh, what was Ian's? Tamori. Tamori out. Tamori to dunk. Oh, oh, fuck. Yeah, I blocked it out. Damn it, that's why I remembered. <laughs> Already. Oh. Right, let's do some listener stuff. 
While we're talking listeners, let's also plug the Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash MilesOffSidePod is where you can uh, give us some money to keep this thing going. And uh, you get some extra stuff as well. You get an RSS feed with extra podcasts in it. And uh, why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want to hear more more of this? Yeah. One day early release of the main podcast. Yeah, I release the main podcast as soon as it's ready. And everyone else gets it on the Wednesday morning. So there you go. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Oh, and the Slack. I forgot about the Slack, Chuck. The Fantrax Draft League, if you want a spot for next year. Yes. Yeah, you run a, a fantasy draft uh, league for all the Patreons. So, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, you're an idiot if you don't do it, honestly. Quite frankly. You're not idiots. You're lovely people. Just Yeah, they're lovely. The people who do it are lovely people. Everyone else. Oh, oh, okay. That's the direction you're going in. I'm pretty sure the people doing it are the idiots because... Oh, oh, you're the enemy of success. You're the enemy of success. <laughs> anyway, Adam P. Uh, <laughs> Adam P. asks, he's got an obligatory football question. Uh, we don't like football questions, but thanks anyway, Adam. Um, which club has the hardest environment to manage in the Premier League? West Ham with their inflated expectations. Everton in the shadow of Liverpool. United harking back to past glories. Uh, or Arsenal, who are, well, Arsenal. I mean, no one gives a shit. Everton, like, do they give a shit? They're in the shadow of Liverpool. Are they relevant? West Ham. Do their fans have too high expectations, West Ham? Doesn't every set of fans have too high expectations? Isn't that the nature of fanhood? I don't know. I ask you that question, Mr. Ian Stimson. (laughs) Is it not to be a fan, but to dream, to hope, and to suffer? Exactly. You've got to be able to dream you can get there. But I don't I don't know whether West Ham fans do, really. I think they feel like the downtrodden yeah. masses, they feel like to me. Because the last two seasons, like I've seen that before, like specifically at the start of the season, because they have had two really good transfer windows like in the summers. They've bought some really, really good players. And it just hasn't quite worked out. But they're all being so downer about it. And you're like, there's... No, there's something to be positive about there. Like, they just got all these people in. They had more coming back from injuries. You had Pellegrini in, like, on paper. It's all good. And, mm. they, and they started off the year very well. But, so, yeah, I don't think they're that bad. I do have a slight issue with them talking about the West Ham way. Like, I swear I didn't hear about that oh, until... I thought like... that was, like, a road to the stadium or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the road to the stadium. Um, but other than that, like, they've they've... You know, they've been relegated in recent memory. I don't think they have a particularly... And they are currently 25% to go down, which is the second worst of people outside the relegation zone currently. They are even with Aston Villa. Oh, okay. I mean, I feel like I can live with West Ham fans. They're they're not insufferable. I don't think they have a particularly inflated expectation. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe they did at the start of the season, because I must admit, I thought they were going to do much better than they have been. But I don't feel like it's a particularly hard environment to manage. So if it's not West Ham, then who are you saying? What's your pick here? Well, he's, he said Arsenal, so I've got to say Arsenal. But Yeah, I mean, he's deliberately put that in because you know what he's like. He's a punching bag and he, he enjoys it. Uh, I mean, Arsenal fan TV, at least, is just the most toxic, horrendous thing around. Long may it rain. <laughs> I don't think the answer is of the ones that he said, for the record. Oh, because you would pick a different one. Well, he's just wrong. Typical Adam. I think the answer is Tottenham, isn't it? 
Daniel Levy literally had a self-imposed transfer ban for many windows. Yeah. He's horrible to work for. He does not he's so cheap. He's such a bad director of football, general manager, whatever you want to call it. And bringing in Jose Mourinho to that fucking situation is going to make for really good television. Hopefully they do another season next year and the year after. Just keep it running, right? Because that is such a mismatch made in heaven. As much as Deli Ali and Son are perfect players for the Mourinho system, Mourinho with Daniel Levy is the worst possible pairing, <laughs> I think. But, like, dude, they had a transfer ban for no fucking reason. For several windows in a Pochettino, row. <laughs> Pochettino was daft to come out and just be like, no, 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 I'm happy with these players. Ah, you fucked it. Daniel Levy, like, heard that and just started licking his lips. I mean, Man United, obviously, they have, like, the Ferguson shadow and whatever, and it gets brought up a lot. But, I mean, Arsenal, like, you're playing in a stadium with no atmosphere. They're all, like, above themselves. Surrounded by Arsenal fans. Surrounded by Arsenal fans wearing Arsenal kits. Like, Awful, awful business. Yeah. So do we think Solskjaer's uh, position would have been like these two results? Are they masking something, or is this how we expect it to be with Solskjaer? He's been he's he's sorting out the club root and branch, and things are starting to come good. Or are these two last results midweek and uh, the, at the weekend are they masking something? It's it's hard to tell, really. I think it's that's what's so daft and so backward about this year that you can't. It's very hard to know when you can infer data or not. Like it's it's bad because they'll they'll do stuff like this uh, and beat Tottenham, uh, beat Man City, but then it's not that long ago they lost to Bournemouth and like Bournemouth, I think of are the worst form team in the league now. Like since that win against Man United they've lost every single game and so you had that they, they got a result against Norwich it's not really saying anything then they had the game against Brighton where I think they played quite well um, and I think that's when Marshall came back yeah and in terms of the underlying numbers they do continue to play quite well like the results haven't gone their way a lot but they're fourth highest on XG above Leicester they're only behind City Liverpool and City and Chelsea and then on XGA they're second behind Liverpool. Um, so on expected points, they have it at fourth. Like, they're they're a pretty good team. They're playing well. They're not quite getting all the results. They're underperforming by five and a half points in the table. I think I think they're a team you back to punch above their weight, but they'll they'll keep slipping up. And I, I genuinely mean it, like, when I say that they, they play the same way as Palace did, like, last year. I think I think that's just what it is. You know their their wins this year have come against Tottenham, uh, Man City, Chelsea, Leicester, uh, Norwich, yeah, and but uh, uh, Brighton, but like all the other teams they've lost or drawn to. So putting Norwich and Brighton really aside, like all the teams they've beaten are above them in the table. So are you going United then? Uh, as far as like worst place to work? No, no, it's Arsenal. Like it's Arsenal. It's Arsenal. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's at least between the three of us, it's definitely a North London club. All right, that's enough football. Let's let's talk about like food or socks or Star Wars or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Uh, Dave Mateo doesn't let us down in that aspect and says, "Do you guys have a fruit course with Christmas lunch, or is that just an Australian thing?" What a fruit course? No, never heard that before. Oh, also Christmas lunch. Well. Uh, it's not really dinner yeah. time. 
Yeah, people tend to sort of eat it a bit earlier. When do you have Christmas dinner, Oscar? Time of the well, day. We do. We don't do American Christmas. We do Guatemalan Christmas. Oh, I like um, it. Right. It's one of the few things that we do, like from the old country. <laughs> um, and I'm a big fucking fan of Guatemalan Christmas. Have I not told you guys about this before? No. Oh, awesome. Perfect. Cool. Um, so Christmas Day itself is not that big of a deal. It's all about Christmas Eve. Yeah. So Christmas Eve starts at like early-ish, early afternoon, like 3 o'clock. The festivities begin. So we all show up at someone's house. It rotates year to year. Uh, it's been my uncle and my brother more recently because they have the biggest houses, but whatever. Uh, and we just like hang out and eat and drink and watch Christmas movies and listen to Christmas songs and sit around the fireplace and whatever other sort of good stuff culminating in a massive fucking dinner around like eight or nine o'clock um, Thanksgiving size dinner, but usually with a ham instead of a turkey, but like every kind of side, every kind of appetizer, Gotcha. you know, wings, meat plates, yes. all that sort of good stuff. Wings. Love a now good meat plate. Now you're talking. Yep. Uh, and then that party keeps on roll until midnight. At midnight. It's Christmas you Day. Do a, now it's officially Christmas Day, correct? Time. Um, Nailed it. Do a quick like midnight prayer thing, which I'm not into, but like, you know, it matters, I guess, uh, to people. So, you know, do that. Sing happy birthday to the baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. Um, I like I like to imagine my baby Jesus wearing a tuxedo t-shirt. There you go. Very fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and then from about 12.05 to 1 a.m. is just pure chaos. There's no, like, taking turns. There's no, like, politely passing a gift around. It's just everyone dives under the tree and then opens all the presents at the same time. So everybody hugs everybody. Like, you have to make sure you hug everyone in the room. Okay. And then everyone dives for the tree and just gets all the presents. And it's just a madhouse, inevitably wow. turning into, like, a paperball fight, like a snowball fight, but inside. Um, and then from 1 a.m., it's one of the few nights a year that none of the children in the family, no matter how young you are, have a bedtime. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to stay up as late as you want to try to stay up, which usually ends up around, like, 3, 4 a.m. You fall asleep hugging your newest toy on the floor somewhere near the Christmas tree. Right. And the adults just kind of sit around and have coffee and talk until everyone gets sleepy. Naturally have coffee at 4 a.m., yeah. <laughs> well, it's a Christmas midnight thing. There's a hell of a lot of cultures where it is Christmas Eve. Like, the the uh, presents get given, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot to do with uh, a lot of Catholic or like traditional Christian yeah. countries. So that's I why know I like... Polish and Italian culture does it as well. Uh, Italians do the fish at midnight, I think. Scandinavia, yeah. yeah you won't eat meat on Christmas Eve. Uh, a lot of the time, it'll be fish for like some of the countries. Okay, um, yeah. We do a big fucking ham with pineapples on it. Yeah, and then well, you mentioned that last week, I think. Uh, but yeah, like yeah, the Scandinavian countries they'll do everything Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day everyone goes out. Like you go out party, like all the bars are open, everything. So they do it like that. I've had some friends say to me, but no, that's that's weird. But yeah, back to the original thing is that Christmas Christmas dinner can be Christmas lunch. So like, I don't think. I don't think anything would be weird in this country from midday to five o'clock. Or all nah, of that would be I'd, yeah, I'd say between that because we don't. I mean, what time is Queen's speech on? I don't know what time that is. Three fifteen, something like that. Oh, is it? Okay, that's right. She does like a Christmas like radio broadcast, right? Or I guess now it's probably. I on mean, TV. yeah, been on TV since like TV. Um. <laughs> I've seen The Crown. I know things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Fucking a few years ago, when Sky were pushing 3D TV, it was done in 3D, if you believe Was it really? Yeah. That's so <laughs> really funny. Was, yeah. Did she, like, poke her, like, wizard staff out towards the screen? Did you watch it in 3D? You actually I did got watch a 3D it in 3D, TV? yeah. <laughs> did it feel like she was coming out to get you? Yeah, it was bloody weird. <laughs> it, felt like, it felt like being a subject. <laughs> nice. Well, you are. So is Christmas fruit involved over no, there? No, that's that the thing. I don't under, no, there but then no I don't have courses at Christmas dinner. You don't have a starter or anything? No, just have food. You don't really stop eating. No. Yeah, that's us too. We have like appetizer foods, but they're just out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything's just out. I mean, my starter would be a selection box of chocolate. Right. Just stuffing that in my face immediately. Chocolate orange, bang it down. Get a chocolate orange, check that the packaging isn't damaged. Um, (laughs) uh, You get a mixed box with like a crunchy, a twirl, a flake, a curly-whirly. down. Yeah. Um yeah. Some figgy pudding? Yeah, sure, figgy pudding. No. Yeah. <laughs> ever since your story... It's in that song, that's all I know. Ever since your story last week, Oscar, I have been noticing figs everywhere. <laughs> like, everywhere. And every single time, I think, hmm, it is a good day to eat a fig. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> every single time that's it comes so in my head. Because every Christmas advert has a fig, like, on a cheese board <laughs> or, like, just on a platter. Like, no one eats figs. Um yeah. yeah see that's completely different like my christmas day we just don't really stop eating like it'll be yeah get up really early like it would usually everyone will wake up by like six if there's kids around by six like there was one year a few years ago uh it was before my niece was born um and it was just my mum my dad me and my sister my dad was it so we slept Mm. in until like 11 Oh my word! Like no fucking problem. Didn't mind, and that was just a casual day that was absolutely amazing and lovely. Uh, but just it was so different. But yeah, we'll wake up like early, uh, have some breakfast, uh, start drinking. <laughs> yeah, Bucks and then fizz. it's just yeah, Bucks fizz, um, and then obviously presents inevitably. Like me, my dad, my brother-in-law will all get some bottle of whiskey or rum or something. So that'll mm. go round, and Lovely. then you just don't really stop, like just making something and doing whatever and drinking yeah. and eating. Like you don't get full and you don't get drunk on Christmas Day. Like it just no. doesn't doesn't happen. No, it's like magic. Yeah, yeah. somehow. And then you magic. just sit. We just sit down and just have this massive fuck off meal. Uh, there's like a million pigs in blankets that you're eating all evening. Yeah. Um, and do you have any new traditions now that you have a child and you're living with a Northern European woman? Because of my job, I have worked the last two Christmas days and will be working this one. Uh, so that's my tradition, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Boo that tradition. Boo I've it. kind of forgotten yeah. what Christmas is like. It's very sad. Stimmers, do you do anything with your in-laws? <laughs> In-laws, um, yeah, we have Kelly's parents over every other Christmas, but we're actually going to Kel's parents this Christmas, so no cooking for us. Is that tough, like different traditions and stuff, or is it like basically the Not same? Not really. I mean, we, we've we sort of, you know, as me, me and Kelly have come together and we've just sort of amalgamated whatever our families did, and then I just did whatever Kelly told me to do. So it's mm. fine. Um, Very good. And yeah, there, there'll be no, no difference really. I mean... Like Chuck says, there's a there's a kid in this family, so we get up early. Um, I, there are no fruit courses, Dave. We need more information about this nonsense. Oh, well, I suppose it's summer for him, isn't it? Well, so they're yeah, on like but... a beach, so like you might oh, a nice bit of melon, oh, pineapple burger, pineapple pizza. Sure. On Christmas, why not? Do whatever makes you happy. 
To be fair, we might have a fucking fruit plate that goes around at Emily's family's Christmas. Figs. Like, Figs. I've, I've never seen it, and I've never wanted to deal with it. They what is do fruit? Christmas morning. So since we moved in together a few years, five years now, six years now, uh, we do my family's midnight Christmas, and then at four in the morning drive to her parents' house and have like 7 a.m. Christmas breakfast and presents. So we're always like completely and utterly zonked out for Christmas morning because we're like on two hours of sleep. Jeez. So there could be a fruit plate that makes its way around. <laughs> and I just don't know. But not that I've noticed. You're just asleep and someone's just chucked a wedge of orange in they your mouth. Sit around, we sit very nicely around the dining room table, like the big family table. And everybody goes one at a time and like is like neat and organized. And oh, it's okay. like, okay, now Emily opens a present. And we all watch, and it's like, yay, beautiful present. So we used to always have that with presents, but I think it's just been long enough and there's been enough cycle of children now that yeah. the pace picks up a lot. Uh-huh. Like it used, like present opening used to take hours. Yeah, it's the, the first six of us, it takes forever, whereas yeah. I think the first time Emily came to my family's Christmas, she was terrified because it's just people throwing <laughs> presents and it looks like the Tasmanian devil and then all of a sudden you're getting pelted with like Christmas wrapping paper balls. <laughs> And she's like, what's happening here? <laughs> Helen's the Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> and she does talk like that. Yeah, she does. There's a Hufflepuff thing, you know. Oh, you had oh, to do it. <laughs> Call back. You had to bring it back. She is a Ravenclaw. I need to say for the record that she is a Ravenclaw. Uh, I'll cut that out. Um, <laughs> Adam B asks, keeping it festive. Uh, mince pies, warm or cold? Is that the one with meat in it? No. What's a mince pie? No, that's trifle. <laughs> For any friends fans out I there. thought that was toad in the hole. Toad no. in the hole is not a dessert. Toad in the hole <laughs> is a big Yorkshire pudding with sausages in it. Oh, mince pie is a dessert. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I don't know. You guys call everything pie. There's meat pies, there's mince no, pies. No, no, no. What we do is we call pies pies. Um, so mince pies are a small, <laughs> uh, small pie with... Now, this is confusing, I'll admit. It's called mincemeat. There's no meat in it. No, it just used to be hundreds of years ago. Yeah. Naturally. Middle Ages, that bullshit, where it would be like so now loads it's like of vegan spices and stuff <laughs> added to meat. No, now no. it's fruit. Have you heard? You're familiar with fruit? Sounds like vegan mincemeat to me. That's what I'm going to refer to. <laughs> what, what fruit sounds like vegan mincemeat? Not vegan because it's got... Butter pastry, probably. Butter pastry, suet, maybe. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like what? What is uh, mince meat? It's like currants, apples, uh, stone fruit, currants. Yeah. Uh, spices. You guys would have something called stone fruit, <laughs> no. and then be like, "Yeah, this is delicious. Let's eat it at Christmas." Okay. Get the old stone fruit. No. Out. Okay. Well done for going out on the limb there. Stone fruits. <laughs> is a term referring to fruit that have stones in them, as in apricots, plums, that kind of thing. Avocados. Yeah, Um. I mean, technically a berry, but let's not... No, it's not. It's a fruit. Um, Anyway, so yeah, so that, and then it's just inside, you can either have uh, short crust pastry, or you can get puff pastry as well. I don't really mind... With with what they are, I, I don't think I've like I think puff pastry ones I'd heat up, but short crust I'd just eat them as they were. Like having them warm feels like fancy end of end of a meal type 
Yeah. Little fork, you know. <laughs> Whereas yeah, it's Carl's... not the kind of thing. It, yeah, it's not the kind of thing that I would assume is a pudding. Like that's that's what like you said earlier, Oscar. That it would be like that. Like it's just a like a snack. Like a, yeah, just a shove it thing. in my face. Yeah. yeah. You'd have one, maybe like you'd have the dinner and you'd have like whatever dessert or cake or, or what have you. Yeah. And then maybe like later on, if you're having a coffee, like just with it, you might have like a little mince pie or something. Yeah. So do you guys think that that's what Dave is talking about? The mince pie? No, he, he specifically like said fruit, 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 like fruit course. Like you couldn't consider, mince calling mince pie one of your five a day is really pushing it like it's it's really pushing it you, you're not getting any nutrition Tenuous. from a mince pie nah i mean he is australian so yeah maybe it would know. count maybe, Who knows? maybe yeah. so i'm hearing hot if you're feeling fancy cold if you're just a regular i i feel joe maybe Bro. like that yeah i yeah. feel like it might be that okay so adam p also uh asks he feels like this could be a whole episode and i do as well it feels like it should go with the mince pie as well Custard versus ice cream versus dry versus brandy cream versus single cream versus clotted cream debate. Ah, blooming hell. <laughs> the only one of those I know is ice cream, so I'm going to go with that. You don't know what custard is? I've heard of custard. I don't know that I've had it. It's like ice cream, but like thicker? No. Right? No. It's like a vanilla, creamy... Oh, is it the thing in like tarts? Like when you get like a fruit tart, is it the like... Yeah, yeah, that's kind of closest, but that's slightly more gelatinous Yeah, gotcha. custard that's runs. That's not saying like it's like... A, yeah. Run it out of a jug. You know? Poor custard, yeah. Yeah. Nope, But it don't is. that. It's a non-Newtonian fluid as well. Oh, yeah, you'd gotcha. like that, Oscar. Yeah. So the force, your force you apply to it is repelled back to you. So people have got like massive vats of it and yeah. like gone across it on space hoppers or tried to run across it. If you run, like, you can run across oh, custard. that's so cool. But if you, yeah. if you stand in it, you sink. That's my that's my answer then. <laughs> that's my favorite. But enough that Clotted you Clotted can... cream sounds disgusting, so no, don't even tell me about it. cream is delicious. It sounds like it would be chunky. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, God. no, it's just very. It sounds like it would be fuzzy. You know how you take the piss out of me for like having heavy cream, as you call it, or as we call it, double cream on everything? Yeah, well, clotted yeah. cream is like triple or quadruple cream. Wait, 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 hang back. Double cream is the name? Yeah, we call, we call heavy cream double this cream. This whole time, I've been picturing you putting in like two cartons of heavy cream. <laughs> You're like putting in double cream. <laughs> put a little cream. That would still be and the same. And then put a little more cream. That would still be the same. I was like, that cream. sounds like the, the worst thing. thing in the world. If you pour it from two bottles or three it's bottles, it's still the cream. same. Just more of it. Just like twice yeah, as no, much double as Double cream is our name for heavy cream. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, it's still disgusting, but it's less disgusting so, than it's So time. if you imagine double or heavy cream, like clotted cream is just thicker like it's just even more of it so there's Mm. yeah yeah it's just thicker and it's delicious i feel like if i put cheese in milk and then left it out for a week i would get clotted cream that's what it sounds like i'm sure that's not what it's actually like without the cheese it's more neutral in flavor than that but yeah yeah okay and obviously like you add sugar and stuff in it some of that other stuff sounded too complicated what were the other things hang on single uh, cream so do you like do you not have Oscar, like a really runny cream that's nearly milk. But not quite. But not quite milk. Half and half, maybe? Yes. Yeah, it would be. It, Is it, it half, would and be half? half and half? Well, yeah, but half. We have a thing called half and half that's literally half milk, half heavy cream. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's probably what we call single cream then. Uh, Yeah, I guess. But probably. Yeah. There we go. Translating foods. 
So we've done custard. We know what ice cream is. Oscar fucking definitely knows what ice cream is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Brandy cream. I mean, come on. Brandy cream. What is that? Uh, Basically, cream, add brandy. brandy (laughs) (laughs) Effectively. Just alcoholic cream. Traditionally served with Christmas pudding. Yeah. So you just pour liquor on your pudding. Well, you no, 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 no. You pour. <laughs> you, well, you do pour liquor on it first. <laughs> There's two then levels. Then you set it on fire. Then you obviously douse it, or if you're feeling particularly dangerous, try and eat it uh, while it's a flame. <laughs> it's still a flame. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but obviously, you put it out. Then you cut it, and then you pour brandy cream on top. Yeah. There you go. Delicious. So what do we like? I mean, I, I think I think this was specifically still with mince pies, but I guess mm. we could just. I don't say. have an accompaniment with it, but custard I bloody love. Like, yeah, I mean, did I can't? Did you edit out our chat about gravy last week and how I drink gravy? I did edit that. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was looking forward to hearing that. I was and then really it was looking gone. forward to it, and I felt uh, very sad I'm afterwards. Sorry. That might be a Patreon level. You get to listen to us record live, and you hear all the utter nonsense yeah, that gets if, cut. If somehow that would that could get back, that would be great. But it never <laughs> will, especially as I mentioned it to our Patreons on the Slack. Um, oh, sorry. Custard <laughs> is also something I could fucking drink. I love that shit. Yeah, and me too. I've made lattes with custard, uh, and it's great, and it's a thing. Custard latte. Yeah, yeah. Are you an inventor? <laughs> yeah. Uh, influencer. Uh, but if you have a hot dessert, the accompaniment mm. has to be cold. Agreed. And if you have a cold dessert, gotta be ice cream. you have to have a hot accompaniment. Yeah, but agreed. I prefer custard cold anytime, every time. I love cold custard. Love it. Yes, Ian. Love it. Ian, you are just, just... Yeah. Oh, like, Get the ready-made shit in a carton, chop it off. Oscar, the feeling the I have right now... Is like when you found out that I wanted fresh socks every day. The fact that, <laughs> that like everyone wants hot custard. Everyone, yep. everyone in my family, they get it round. They go, "There's your bit of custard," because it's cold. But I get shit loads. It's like, yes, drink that shit down. Yeah, Chuck. I think that feeling is called friendship. Huh. Oh. Okay, so there we go, Adam. I think uh, custard is unilaterally the best thing for everything. Uh, I mean, an Oscar says ice cream, but I mean, we could have seen that coming a mile off. No, he he changed the custard because you can run on it. Yep, and I don't like ice cream. I just was forced to, well, forced is a strong word, ate a lot of it all at once, but that does not mean I like ice cream. Okay. Oscar, there was zero coercion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> zero. Also, videos of people running on custard, spoiler of the week back, no oh, context. Brilliant, lovely. Okay, we'll do that. Get on that. Custard, the official pudding accompaniment of the Miles Offside podcast. That's official. He's also asked for a definitive 10-song Christmas mop playlist. I think we can do that, can't we? Maybe not now, but I think we can sort that out and uh, get Well, we can take it in turns, too. I'll just bang them out right now. It's Kelly Clarkson and then Mariah Carey nine times. (laughs) (laughs) I'll throw it the other way around, but yeah. I actually like the Buble version of All I Want for Christmas is You. Oh, no, no. That's what's really weird for me, because the Venn diagram of All I Want for Christmas is You, like Mariah Carey and mm. Michael Buble, it meets there. I love the two things, but never the twain shall meet. Hmm. I don't I don't like it. Don't don't like it. And I love that fucking Michael Buble Christmas album. Fantastic. Yeah, it's my second favorite Christmas album. Talked about it last year. Talk about it again. Ella Wishes You a Swingin' Christmas from 1960. Ella Fitzgerald, uh, wonderful Christmas album, probably the best one. 
in the history of Christmas music, in my opinion. But yeah, we should definitely put together a little playlist. Um, I'm definitely going to say Please Come Home for Christmas by the Eagles needs to be on there. Don't think I know that. And Kelly Clarkson covers it on her album, so you'll recognize the melody at least. Oh, there you go, Ian. <laughs> I'm in. Wham. wham Gotta have Wham. Christ- wham last Christmas. Last Christmas. Gotta yeah. have it. Yeah, Pogues. Not the terrible Paul McCartney Christmas song. No, which is so badly recorded as well. Hate it. Blum, we blum, all hate blum, it. Blum, I remember blum, that from last year. Oh, okay. That's the one. It's like the shit score to a B-movie horror film. So the video looks like a B-movie horror film. It's fucking awful. No, it looks like an Argos advert from 1980. Same thing. Yeah. One for Oscar there. What other Christmas songs? I know Oscar's Googling. Stevie Wonder? I'm not Googling. I'm just... Running through my brain, my brain Google, thinking, thinking, <laughs> thinking. Mm-hmm. That's what that's generally called. Yeah, uh, my brain Google. <laughs> running through my brain Google. <laughs> the Stevie Wonder one. Uh, that's what Christmas means to me. Beautiful song. Yeah, that's a really, good really, song. really peppy. Ah, oh, the harmonica on that. Yeah, harmonica in a Christmas song. Under and you know underused. Underrated. Underused. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. It's just the fact that it. I don't think it has sleigh bells in it, which I'm happy about. Sometimes yeah. there's too much sleigh bell. You know, yeah. you, you don't just put. I heard a really depressing Christmas song the other day, and it's like a new one this year. Oh, it's by some singer. Uh, she's got one name. Uh, forget about it. But it's literally about being alone on Christmas and being depressed. And there's no. There's like, a lot of those songs. But there's no like resolution, and there's just some sleigh bells in the background, and it's oh great. What's that really sad one that you guys like? Christmas in New York or whatever. Fairy tale of New York. I'm over it. Yeah, that one. No, but that's that's not. I don't know. Is that sad or just? I don't actually know it. Okay, I don't. I don't think it's particularly sad. There is one that keeps cropping up. In, mud. Um, yeah, mud. Exactly. Lonely <laughs> this Christmas. I knew. Yeah, I knew you'd know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's just that is depressing. I listen to that and I'm like, who puts this on? If you're feeling very sad, I might also recommend the Bright Eyes Christmas album. Which really. Is- yeah, as depressing as it sounds, Connor Oberst just like warbling his way through some Christmas songs, barely whispering, clearly very depressed. Yeah, I can't say that I'm rushing to put that one on. No, I own it, but just because I like Bright Eyes and I like Christmas music, I don't listen to it. Bing Crosby, White Christmas. Yeah, Bing Crosby and David Bowie, Little Drummer Boy, Stroke Peace on Earth. That's hilarious. Um, hilarious. Really. A little bit of a sleeper pick for you: the Seth MacFarlane, aka creator of Family Guy. Christmas album is fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say. I will listen yeah, to that he's, motherfucker he's, sing It sounds anything. like Brian is singing a Christmas album to you because he has the same voice yeah. as Brian. Yeah. And Brian sings on the show <laughs> a lot. Um, but there are two good songs that kind of stand out from that one. You have, um, what's it called? Marshmallow World. And then also Christmas Dreaming. I have like 700 Christmas songs that I've paid for <laughs> on my iPhone. <laughs> I like. I know so much about Christmas music, you guys. Okay, Oscar will cu- curate your list, Adam P. He'll do it. <laughs> He's probably got a spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Detailing Ooh. the best song. Oh, I know hello. what I'm doing Here with the rest go. of my night. Here we go. Tone, chord progression, uh, <laughs> lyrics, festivity. Yeah. Originality, because covers lose a little bit of points. Of course. <laughs> However, depends how, you know, if, if they put their own spin on it. Yeah. Sure. Warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah. Inclusion of sleigh bells, positive exactly. or negative. Sleigh bell level. Yeah. That would have a important factor of one out of ten. Stables are a nice bonus, but they're a bonus, not an important. Of course, yeah. Of course, you would weigh the average. Of course. Of yeah, course. you got to weigh the averages. Oh, yeah. I mean, not everything matters the same. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Sorry. 
what I was thinking. Um, so, right. And last question comes from the Slack. Uh, our relatively new Patreon, uh, Mark Daffin, asks, why do you bleep out c- but not fuck? <laughs> it's festive, isn't it? Yeah, very festive. Yeah, it's mostly for our American listeners. Yeah. yeah. That's, that word carries a very, very different, like, severity of cursing. I think it's, it is, like, the the C word is the most offensive one in England as well. We just find it funnier. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, I think it's worse. I think it's You guys say it so much. There's no word that, like, you don't say in public. Well, no, no, but I wouldn't say it round the in-laws' house at Christmas. Yeah, the subset like... <laughs> of English people you know, and within that subset, use it. That's a good tester, actually. So, yeah, I'm around the in-laws at Christmas. I would drop the odd F-bomb, but I wouldn't say c- Okay. Okay. My mum said it one one year, and I was like, <gasps> "Mum, you said you said." C-. Yeah. And she went, "Oh well, fuck it. I'm old." <laughs> <laughs> like, so it is the worst one. So, but there, there are situations where I wouldn't use it. I mean, I'm not going to sort of do it while booking a doctor's appointment, unless that's what's wrong with me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there's something wrong with your. C-. Yeah, exactly. And there would be something seriously wrong with me. But like. Yeah, so so what I'm saying is it's not used in po- I mean, polite conversation, but... There's got to be an equivalent, though, where, like, even around people that you're friendly with, there's a word that you just wouldn't say. No, I don't think there is. Other than, like, obviously, like, obviously racial... racial or discriminatory yeah, yeah, yeah. or that kind of thing. Discriminatory things, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's assume I wouldn't use racial slurs. No, fuck shit, piss crap. <laughs> I mean, you are from the north, Bollocks. so... Yeah, but I, I, I don't fuck think there's dip, anything... Fuck dipshit, twat bag, piss um... flash, <laughs> jizz cock. Piss <laughs> um, kidney. Piss kidney, yeah. Um, no. Piss and shit. It's interesting. I wonder if other cultures have that too. Jam rag. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> sounds, that sounds horrible. Oh dear. <laughs> There's, let us know, listeners. Just tweet in yes or no. No context. We don't need to know. But just yes or no. Are there uh, words in your culture or country that are off limits even around people you're friends with? Yeah. But that's the answer. Yes. We we when we started, we had way more listeners in America, and we were just being sensitive to that potential audience. And bleeps are funny. Bleeps do make it funny. Are we not still like the most listeners are from the US anymore? No, it's now about three to one UK. What? Yeah. Step it up, Virginia. Come on. Yeah, Virginia and California are still still bringing it. But yeah, there's like one listener in Rhode Island. Yeah, I don't know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so it's a um, bit more UK based now. So maybe I should stop the bleeping, but I do find it funny. And I've realised... I think it t- it's funnier. It is funnier. It took me about 10 episodes to realise as well, but it is funnier if I let the C go and then bleep the unt. <laughs> <laughs> like that just gives it just enough viciousness. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I'll, do, I'll, I'll try to now and you can listen to what I think. Oh, you complete... <laughs> you fucking... <laughs> and you see which one's funnier when you listen back. There's also way too many fucking fucks to bleep out. Like, <laughs> we lost check. Yeah. I think so. oh, it's because I've imagined hearing it later. It's like, it's funny you say it. Editing. It's just going to be funny when you forget. <laughs> so it's yeah. going to be, hey guys, vote which one's better, bleep or bleep. Yeah, I nearly spat all Not over the mic. There. Bleep or bleep. <laughs> Yeah, if I just leave it, yeah, it's just going to be me saying <laughs> twice. 
Oh, uh, speaking of, what are, what's going on in the Predictor League? Oh, Predictor fuck League! League of Predictions! <laughs> I might do a jiggle, maybe not. Ooh, I feel like a woman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> we, we done the Predictor League. So before the season started, we opened it up and 18 people sent us their predictions for where they thought the 20... Pe- Hold it together, Ian. Come on now. We're nearly there. Let's go, girls. <laughs> Uh, um, we asked 18 people and they, they predicted uh, the placements of Did 20 they? teams uh, good in, for them <laughs> fuck you um, in the Premier League where they would finish uh, so we tabulated all of that and worked out the differences so the lower the score you get the better so uh, in last place Adam P well done Adam P 92 <laughs> points uh, congratulations for getting off that 100 pedestal Johnny Worthington 90 points um reigning champion johnny og 88 points it's third lot relegation those numbers are as bad as mine were last year those are oscar bad numbers yeah this is oscar uh in 15th fpl nicola 86 then dan parkinson momo fpl and 84 jack saunders pad full and ian stimson yeah, 82 yes. ian is the new oscar yeah. uh then we've got me and lynn 80 points uh, on joint eighth. Dave Mateo sits solo on 76 in seventh place. Damn, that's a lot of alliteration. Um, third place, we've got four people. Sam Danby, Carmen, Emily, and Finley. Ooh, still in the mix. Which means top two, Oscar Puente. Yeah. You are second on 70 points Fuck. with... International man of mystery Joe Bloom down on sixty four points at the top of t- table. Oh, this is painful! Wow. Yeah, so it's completely flipped. Last year, Ian was top, Oscar was bottom. Dear. Now it's the other way around. It's just a nice little chuck sandwich. I'm there in the middle. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's you know when the league is this fucking crazy and nothing makes sense. Yeah, you yeah. I shine, baby. Chaos reigns. Chaos does reign. And Ian much prefers to be a bottom than a top. So. Oh, you've read that as well. The power bottom. He generates a lot of the force. Mm. Mm. Not sure how. Not at his age. He might pop a hip out. (laughs) Hey, oh. Fixtures. Fixtures next week. Uh, Saturday, 14th of December. We've got a little bit of a break. No midweek. No Amazon Prime, guys. Very sad. Mm. Oscar, you just get to like watch all the games uh, anyway. That's true. Lord it up over us again. So we have Liverpool Watford as the early kickoff on Saturday. Oh man, Watford are winning. You reckon? Uh, yeah, early fixture in it. Mental. Mm. Um, Burnley versus Newcastle. Chelsea versus Bournemouth. My God, Oscar! If your team lose that, Frank Lampard should be sacked. <laughs> Leicester versus Norwich. Decking. Sheffield United versus Villa. Southampton versus West Ham. Chitting. Uh, we've got Man United, Everton, Wolves, Spurs, Arsenal, Man City, Dicking. And. Oh, Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football, the bloody big one. So help me fucking God if Palace don't beat Brighton. <laughs> oh, I might just quit. Oh, if we get. If we get Lewis Dunk in. Scores a free kick. Uh, gonna happen 
Fucking hell. Lewis down the free kick. Bang. 1-0. Yep. But as with every week, there's a lot of... I mean, uh, now that the league is so truncated and everyone could be everyone, there's a lot of matchups that actually have some narrative in there. Uh, and there's like a lot to play for because they're teams that are similarly vying just not to be the shittest. <laughs> God, that's what it's come to. <laughs> yeah, anything that anything that stands out to you apart from the obvious kind of dickings of what should be Man City and Chelsea? Uh, yeah, for me at least, I think that Wolves-Tottenham could be really interesting because they're both mm-hmm. right around that uh, top four conversation. Wolves are only, what? two points behind Tottenham? No, one point ahead of Tottenham. And tied with United on points for the closest to Chelsea mm-hmm. right now. So that you know could potentially have a very, very strong impact on anybody's probability of even remotely being able to catch Chelsea, because that's really what it's kind of down to at this point. Um, so I will be watching that with very, very intense eyes. Is that how you watch something? I don't know. Yeah. Close. With, your, with your eyes... With my eyes intensely. My eyes are so intense when I'm watching football. Just squinting slightly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aggressive eye contact. Yes. As I would yes. Say. Yeah. And Wolves haven't lost since game week five. Interestingly, Ooh, massive wow. unbeaten run there. So, and they've played more more games than any team in the league this season. Uh, with all their Europa League games, everything. I think they're on thirty games nearly. Either thirty or twenty nine games this season they've played. Jeez, they've done so well to be where they it's are after all that. Mental, isn't it? Ian, what are you looking for, mate? What you want to game at me, do you? Okay, game it. Game it out. Game it up. Um Arsenal Man City just looks like a game where I have no idea what the fuck's gonna happen. Wouldn't it be the most Arsenal to like that be their one good match? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like will Man City continue their sort of dismal run? Are they going to do what Man City sometimes do and just react like mental cases and just smash them? I mean, I've got no idea what's going to happen there. Oh, not, good. Not a clue. Yeah, imagine if that's another like 8 0. Yeah. I've, I've said it on a few fixtures this year, but you could tell me any scoreline and I'm not sure I'd be surprised. Actually, no. I'd be surprised if Arsenal yeah, score more than Arsenal one won. goal. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing is that Arsenal's attack is good. So if anything, I could like five goals is as likely as zero goals for them. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, but it's much more about the defense than anything. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be on telly as well, so that'd be good. Th- thanks, Sky, for letting us watch that one. Yeah, and I mean, we we talk about um, Wolves win not losing a game since game week five. Um, Arsenal haven't won a game since game week eight. Um, (laughs) yeah there was a stat that went around that um since the first star wars came out because the next the last star wars is coming out in two weeks uh this is arsenal's longest winless run since before star wars existed wow (laughs) wow imagine like what a different world so there you go and i think i'm actually gonna go i mean obviously like there's monday night and yeah i'm gonna be literally inconsolable if we lose that <laughs> but it's really annoying me that Brighton have been playing well fucking c- <laughs> um, Man United Everton I think could be interesting because it's kind of both of the teams you, you see whether they're going to carry on the same way if Everton stay this disciplined uh, and Duncan Ferguson uh, <laughs> keeps them tight uh, playing against the Man United counter-attack it could kind of nullify that take and some time whether... out from smashing fishermen round the head <laughs> 
fisherman. Um, and if United can actually play well against the team that is way below them, as opposed to just punching above their weight as they have been doing. So that's the one I'm going for. Nice. Yes. Uh, nice. Before we head out, because I know I can tell you're starting to wrap up here. Yeah, naturally. Progression. Same format every week. Yep, exactly. Uh, cue the jingle, Mr. Simpson. Whoa. Oh, they're better than they ought to be. Burnley of the week. We Shit. did not give out Burnley of the week, so we should, before we go, over the two fixtures, Crystal Palace <laughs> are the Burnley of the two weeks. Uh, Crystal Palace, 0.2 to 1.6 against Watford, so they definitely should have lost that. And 0.4 to 0.3 winning against Bournemouth. So they scored one on 0.3, <laughs> and then they held somehow Watford to 0-0 on 1.6. The Sacco red card, the 10 men for 70 minutes, Jordan Ayew <laughs> yeah. having Bournemouth on strings, Jeffrey Schlupp. Piercing through the entire fucking team. <laughs> what a day that was. A beautiful... Thank you for that, Oscar. I take this award wholeheartedly. <laughs> I will appreciate it. The double Burnley of the week. Totally uh, on face value. <laughs> thank you, yes. Um, and with that, uh, it is time to say goodbye. So thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. And thanks, Oscar. You're very welcome. And take care, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Um, city-wise? Providence, Rhode Island. I was on a bike in the gym and they do this like social thing where they it hooks you up with like a virtual race type scenario. So okay. you're sort of biking over stuff. You on a Peloton? No, it's much cheaper than that and it's just in the gym. Like, like gotcha. say, but I was about to be real jealous. Of, it sets you up with a sort of virtual landscape and then and there was this woman from Providence, Rhode Island who just did not want to let me pass her. <laughs> she was she was not happy like every time i sort of came up to her the back wheel she just caned it forward i was like come on got her in the end good great how big is it how big is providence i mean do you know alice hughes what a bitch <laughs> who wait who are these people from how would you know they're from providence because it comes up with a name a little avatar picture and where they're from and stuff where were you biking that there was a lady from providence there no, it's like all people from around the world who are logged in to this thing. Oh, she was like, oh, you're like competing against like actual human beings. Yeah, yeah. But oh, I would have a heart attack on that bike. That sounds very dangerous. It's really good for a com- because if I'm just on my own doing nothing, I, you know, it's so easy to lax off. But this does create a competitive element. So I'm only joking in that sh- she was doing exactly what I do. When someone's about to catch you, you're sort of like, no, fuck off, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of- yeah. Does it like vibrate your seat? How do you know someone's about to catch you? Because it's all on a screen. Oh, and it's on the screen. Can it vibrate your seat? Can you? Is there like an attachment that you can put on the seat to Oscar, make it vibrate? You, you seem to be focusing a lot on this <laughs> vibrating thing. I, mean, I, could, I mean, I could probably take a vibrator in with me. But, um, yeah, that's, no, that's this... how you know it's going to happen. Just a dick gets shoved in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you have a sort of marker thing that says someone's so many yards behind you. Like gotcha. This, sort of, yeah. And she just kept kept passing every you. Every time, I, no, no. Every time I kept coming up to her, like she would just. 
cane off and like and I get it because yeah. it's exactly what I do. Eventually, I passed her, but it was. Is just, there always someone in front of you? Yeah, yeah. It just pitches it, so you know when you when you log in, it just dumps you anywhere. So you're sort of you know it's not so an actual just, race. So it's literally a game or a race you could never win because there's always someone else. Hundred percent. I could never sit down on that. I would one hundred percent have a heart attack. I would just sit there and be like, "Nope, there's still someone ahead of me. I gotta catch him. I'm not losing. Definitely <laughs> yeah, can't lose." True, I can understand that. Yeah. Good. That'd be a disaster. Yeah. What's the name of it? Well, it's just the, the the machines are called Life Fitness, and it's called Ride Social. Ride Social. Yeah. I think there's a iPhone app for it. I don't know how that would work. Whether you link that up to your machine or what. You just sit on your phone and you get... I like that uh, idea, yeah. Yeah, you just get pedal attachments to your phone. <laughs> yeah, just shouting to your phone, I'm going really fucking fast. You go, you take it in a car and you're like, I'm <laughs> biking 55 miles an hour, bitch. Fuck you, Alice Hughes from Providence. <laughs> yeah, you run her over. That fucking... <laughs> she shouldn't have kept speeding up. Uh, she's dead now. She's dead now.